Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Chris Frostad. He's the president and CEO of PurePoint Uranium. And we talked to him about how things have progressed in the marketplace. They've almost trebled their share price since we last spoke at the beginning of November. Is that down to him or factors that he has control? And how are they going to move this forward, having raised seven million bucks? Uh, what are they going to do with that? How are they going to spend it? And where's the value come from? If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's uh, training courses on there to help you with your intelligence process, commentaries from experts from around the world, including our weekly Uranium show. Stay ahead of the crowd, guys, and listen to that one. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling, and abuse, you can join them. Uh, in fact, join everyone at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Chris, how are you, sir? Very good, thank you, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you came back. I, I really enjoyed our last chat. We kind of talked a little bit of macro uh, at the beginning of the conversation, just trying to understand the world as it, as it was. And you, you've been busy since we last spoke. Well, yeah, I think I think it's all been busy out there in the last little while. I mean, there's been uh, you know the valuations have have uh, gone up. And not just not just bumped up. It looks like over the last five six months, we've seen a real trend on on all the uranium stocks. Uh, the market seems to be preparing itself for something, and uh, a lot of money's been coming back into the sector. So, um, you know, to the extent that uh, uh, people are are leery of calling it in terms of when we're going to start seeing contracts written, um, I think certainly the market is signaling that it, it sees something coming um, in the near term. And and you know, we've been busy getting ourselves ready for that. It's interesting to me because, in fact, like, before I get into it, because I think we'll have a good conversation in a sec, give us that one minute overview for people new to the story and I'll pick it up from there. Sure. Uh, well, Pierpoint Uranium has been, is a, a uranium exploration company. We've been operating in northern Saskatchewan's Athabasca Basin for over 15 years now, actually. Um, the Athabasca Basin is known for its uh, a freakishly high-grade uranium, and uh, where pretty much all well all of Canada's uranium production uh, comes out of right now, um, we've been focused for the last little while on uh, on on a project we joint venture with Cameco and Arana, which is called Hook Lake. It's adjacent to and on trend with uh, a couple of the biggest finds of the century, I guess, over on the west side of the basin. Uh, but we have another dozen projects that we've really been maintaining and watching carefully and, and progressing slowly over the last uh, bunch of years as the market's been, been as the price of uranium is low. And uh, those are kind of the projects that we're going to start focusing on as well as we move forward to kind of broaden our, broaden our, our exploration efforts. Okay, excellent. I appreciate that um, update. Um, what I noticed last time, you've been in hiding for about 10 years. <laughs> You're gonna, right? Fair to say, fair to say. It, but it was deliberate, right? It, it was no accident. Absolutely. You, you, you kind of saw what was happening 2007 through to 11. Um, no way of calling how quickly it would fall off. But you, you made the cost decision not to do too much, not to go and raise capital, not to be too active and wait for the right time. Do you think you've timed it correctly? Uh, well, I, I I believe what we've done to date has been has been correct. I, I'm I'm hoping that we're started uh, moving into this new uh, new focus at a correct point in time. 
Um, we were around when, uh, when uranium really came online, uh, 2003, 2004. Um, we, we held a lot of property back then. We did a lot of work um, during those few years. And it really was a short period of time, relatively speaking, that a lot of exploration was going on up there. Uh, but as we saw the price of uranium topping $100 back then, um, before it started to come off, we certainly started to see the markets come off. And throughout all of 2007, we saw all of the uranium starting to really, um, you know, ease off a lot. And at the end of 2008, of course, the, the banks all blew up and uh, everything kind of kind of uh, fell away. Um, but, you know, we saw that coming and we, we pulled in our horns and wanted to wait and see as to when and if things come back. Because, I mean, we're in the ex we're an exploration company. So, uh, we, you know, we're really dependent on on the, the interest of the market and where the interest is and, and, uh, and, and when and when and how we should be raising money and, in, and investing it. And, uh, you know, I think in 2011, when things started to come back <clears throat> and then the wave hit Japan, um, I, don't, I don't even think a lot of people recognize that it really wasn't, Japan wasn't the problem so much as Kazakhstan, that, that there was a lot of, uh, of uranium coming into the market. And I think that's what the, uh, the markets have been telling us up until that point as well. That, that there was excess uh, inventory sitting out there and uh, Japan just uh, kind of was the last straw. So, you know, at a time when uranium is so low, when it's difficult to raise money, and when quite frankly, the market punishes you for putting money in the ground on it from an exploration standpoint, even if, you, even if you have good results, it just didn't seem, you know, appropriate to be trying to raise and promote something in, a, in, in, that, in the bottom of a cycle. So. We've, you know, we really have uh, worked to maintain what we're doing. We've focused on the projects that, that are relevant and where we do see discovery and where we do have funding. And, uh, and we made sure that we were hanging on to those other projects. And not just that, we've been looking at a lot of projects. We've actually staked and dropped a lot of property over the last five, six, seven, eight years um, because it just wasn't the right time to be putting money into it. And now as we move into what I think is, is really that new phase, we are coming back. Um, um, I think it, it's time for us to start working those projects. I, I'm intrigued by the fact that you used the word punished. Do you mean it didn't credit you, didn't give you the value you would expect for, for each dollar spent on the ground? Well, no, as a matter of fact, that's it. I mean, certainly the valuations came off greatly, but what we also saw is if you did go out and spend a million dollars on a drill program and you did come back with, with I mean, you, know, you didn't make a discovery, but you had very, very promising results, time more than often you would see that the price go down because the market was using it as, a, as an exit opportunity because you'd created some, some, uh, some volume. So it, 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 uh, it, it really wasn't, um, a good time to be trying to create value that, that the market didn't, didn't want to see. Okay, so let, let's talk about someone else you just mentioned, like Kazakhstan. They were the problem back in, you know, in the two, early 2000s, et cetera, sure. you know, putting a lot of product on the market. Since then, obviously, they've gone public. Um, they are restrained in terms of what they do produce. So that hasn't been the problem of recent times. It's been a case of this mobile inventory and this kind of slightly opaque uh, lack of mechanisms measuring what's out there. Sure. Well, it's got to move. It's got to move through the system and and through the cycle. And actually, I think uh, you were talking to Paul Gorenson last week, and it was an interesting dance you guys did, walking back in the timeline as to um, you know when when I'm putting rods in reactors, 
when does that when you walk backwards when does that turn into a long-term contract and 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 that's it kind of demonstrates that one and a half to two year pipeline that that has to kind of empty out and, and where where the gluts of inventory are is is as you say is somewhat uh, non-transparent um, you know when when Japan turned off 10% of the world's nuclear fleet, um, Kazakhstan's production continued to rise for the years that followed that. Um, it just never got any better. Um, so it, I think that, yes, they were the problem, but how that, how that problem washes itself through the system, you know, we're, we're all waiting to see. And so to that, and, and in the same vein, we've seen a lot of uh, companies, handfully, so I should say, our companies raise money to go and buy up and maybe mop up some of these excess uh, pounds in the in the market, do you think in all instances that's the right move for them? Well, I'm not sure that they're buying up enough to really move the needle <clears throat> necessarily. I mean, it's uh, it, it's an interesting play. I don't want to say it's it's a it's a promotional play because because of the people that are doing it, right? I mean, uh, you know, when you look at a Denison buying buying inventory, I mean, they they run and manage uranium participation group, so they're in the business of trading. So if I'm an investor and I'm looking at what they're doing, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's not necessarily a, a, a bad investment for these guys. That's what they do. If I went out and bought a bunch of, bunch of uranium and stuck it in the warehouse, you'd think I'm nuts because that's not what I do for a living. Um, so, you know, it, it, borders on, it borders on questionable, but uh, it depend, again, it depends on, on who's doing the buying and whether it's, it's uh, you know, right off right off script in terms of, of, of what it is they're supposed to be doing uh, as a business. So you think there are some promotional uh, elements to it? Oh for, oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, again, it's, it's not enough to move the needle. And, and so you're making, you know, it, I put, I'm putting my investors' money in a GIC for a while. Somebody else is putting it in physical uranium, but, but that's fine. I mean, we all have our risks to manage. Yeah, I, th- I, thought, I thought it was quite interesting, some of some of the people doing it, I, I wouldn't have thought there's much. I mean, the fact the fact that Canada right now is and North America, there's no uranium being produced in North America right now, you know. And there was a point in time when when you know over a third of the world's uranium was being produced in North America. Um, I mean, you got to know that there is, you know, there there is inventory being mopped up. So even even some of the uh, you know the uranium participations and and some of the other uh, you know physical holders of uranium. You know, it's nice to see them buying now at, at this price, and, and it, you know, hopefully, kind of heralds the fact that they think it's a good time to be buying. Whether that's actually affecting inventory in the long term, and it's really going to hasten, uh, you know, hasten the the uh, revival of uranium prices is yet to be seen. Right. So let's come back to this timing issue. Okay. Like I said, I was sort of joking me said you've been hiding, but consciously in, in uh, mm-hmm. avoiding spending money in the market unnecessarily. Your share price has almost trebled since we last spoke, you know, midway through November. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. as to how much of that you attribute to what's going on in the market and how much you've actually done. So when you talk about timing, the market is good. What have mm-hmm. you done? To warrant a tripling? I, I would say I'm brave enough to say nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, it. We're looking at at the market, and in fact, you can look at um, you know the producers, uh, the developers. They've all gone up 80 percent over the last five six months. All of them collectively. If you if you take yourself a basket of of explorers, us included, we're all up one hundred and sixty five, one hundred and seventy percent in total. So 
I think it would be, um, you know, for me to say that that was my doing would be a, a little over the top. But I think that's that's what we're reacting to. We're, we're you know, we didn't cause it, but I think it, it it's uh, the responsibilities on us to understand what that is and to take advantage of it and make sure that we're using the opportunity correctly. Well, you seem to have. You've raised seven million bucks over a couple yeah. of a couple of tranches there. So, what are you going to do with it? Well, I think it's it's now time. As I said before, we've got. We've got 12 other projects, and many of them uh, have had a fair amount of work done on them. Um, and, uh, and they're as prospective as anything out there. But, so, but, but, but seven million bucks is not a lot of money. Okay, you've got 12 projects. You've got, you've got a um, very large <laughs> and significant uh, partner on your uh, Hook Lake project. I'd right. love to hear what they're doing. And, yep. and really, you've probably got three. The next tier down, but they're your, your three projects, Smart Lake, Red Willow, and... Um, and Tumor Lake, those are the ones you're going to focus on. Surely you're not going to spread yourself thin, are you? Well, you'd be surprised. Um, and and the you no, know, and the reason I would say that, I mean, we're in the exploration business, right? And I make no excuses about that. And and it's it's our job to um, you know improve and increase the odds as best as possible to make a discovery. And and you know you can drill your brains out in one key project, but if that's not where the hand of God came down and planted a hunk of uranium you know, you can drill all day long. So, you know, we've got projects that cover a variety of theories. I mean, everybody's testing new theories. Everybody's looking for basement hosted deposits now, which they weren't 10 years ago. We're looking outside of the basement or basin, which we weren't 10 years ago. Uh, we've got other projects that take on different theories. And, and I think it's important that we test all of those things to the extent we can. What allows us to, when you say spread ourselves thin, is we can't just turn on the tap tomorrow and start spending money like like mad people. Um, you know, Northern Saskatchewan is, uh, is is an excellent place to work and operate, but things are changing. I mean, the permitting process is now taking longer. Uh, you'll see a number of people um, who had uh, projects and programs uh, scheduled for this winter that never got going. Uh, and that was primarily uh, um, permit issues. And, and permitting not in terms of... of uh, I guess not sending yourself up properly. A lot of it has to do with the communities up there. So the the engagement with communities, the engagement with First Nations um, has been evolving over the years. Uh, it's it's uh, gotten a, you know, a little more sophisticated, a little more uh, formalized, and and it's it's created a, a lengthening of um, you know the timelines it takes to actually put feet on the ground out there and start working. So, you know, when we talk about what we're going to do and how we're going to work on all these projects, a lot of it is dependent on weather, it's dependent on permits, and it's dependent on resources. Because uh, as you can imagine, now that all this money's flowing in, try and find a drill, try and find a, a geologist. Um, you know, things are getting busy again. So it, it takes time to get, to get that machine going. And I think that's why we're starting now. We see that over the last five or six months, the market is clearly signaling a change. It's signaling that this is a time to get ready. Um, and I think, you know, as we work ourselves through this process over the next six to 18 months, you know, we're going to be up to full speed by, by the time things get going. But the plan right now is to, you know, during the summer months, it's a good time to do some airborne geophysics. So we've got a few projects that are early stage. We need to do that on. Um, we're, we, have, we actually have permits in hand on three of our projects. So we'll be drilling them in the fall. Um, we've got some ground geophysics that we can get done um, closer to the end of the year. So we can schedule this stuff all out properly and, and get it done properly. And it, it's not like we're just pulling a big lever and all the money's gone. Right. So, you, you know, you said earlier, right, we, we saw this coming. 
right? We, we had a view of the marketplace. We saw this coming. We hunkered down. Um, are you are you predicting you know cycles? Because if I listen to a uranium bug, or a gold bug, or anyone who's like really into you know if they're giving in the bull case for something, it's to the moon and back, you know, and and, and it's one way ticket, right? Are you seeing yourself having to do as much as you can in this cycle because you think there will be a cycle, or do you think this is a straight line up as well? Um, I hope it's a straight line, but but you know after 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 taking the careful approach we have for all these years, why would why would we why would we bet the farm today, right? So okay. so the approach the approach is a it's 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 a cautious one, but I think it takes full full value or full. Uh, uh, you know, it takes the opportunity fully in that we can, you know, we, we've taken the opportunity now, now that our stock price has tripled, like, as you say, to raise some money now and, and enough money, enough money that actually, if we don't raise another dime, we can continue working for the next few years, but we don't plan to. We hope to be able to do things better and, and quicker than that. Sure, we can we can continue to react as the market grows. Okay, that, that's what I've come to expect from the conversations with you. It's very pragmatic. So, of course, you can spend over the next few years because you can decide not to spend. You can just hunker down again. But I'm I'm intrigued in what's going on up there. I'm saying right right now, given what we've seen, we've trebled, almost trebled uh, the share price here. Market cap thirty million now. If in the next six to twelve months, I think seems to be what well, always is. I think it's almost an annual occurrence. This is the year, boys, and it happens this time for sure. <laughs> this time, I, I I can I can bet my house on it this time again. Um, is you know you you can sort of see the, the 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 share price appreciating. You can see all all of the boats floating. Even if they, as you said, don't do very much themselves to take advantage and raise more, raise, keep raising more money. But truly, what's your expectation of where you fit into this cycle? You're, you're, you're a pragmatic guy. Sure. So that you must I be think, thinking there must yeah. be a kind of bear case in your head as well, right? Sure. I think, you know, I think right now, if you look at our, if you look at where we sit in the grand scheme of, of things, we're probably, if you take all the uranium explorers right now, we're probably in that bottom third because we've been quiet about it. And I, I think what I see now is we've, we've raised the money we need. We are, we are all of a sudden unleashing a whole pipeline of projects that we can, that we can start working on and talking about in, in much more detail than we have been. And I think that alone should, should garner us a better position amongst our peers. So we, we've certainly got that going for us. If, 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 and as we, we expect to see that over the next six to 12 months, the price of uranium does continue to move up, we do see those contracts uh, coming. Then, then we've got a head start on launching this into it. We're, you know, we're riding into it as opposed to trying to react a year from now when there's a flurry of activity and there's 300 new uh, uranium explorers trying to get into the basin. For, for people who've uh, watched the previous interview, they'll kind of understand your business model. Um, but sure. just for people new to this, can you just explain, you've got 12 assets. One, you've got a, a rather nice JV partner with them we should talk about and see what they're doing at sure. Hook yeah. Lake. But for the rest sure. of the projects, are you going to be looking to raise capital and, de and develop these projects or are you looking for farming partners? I see. No, now we, um, yes. Yeah. So our, our, the project we've been, we've been uh, focused on significantly is, is Hook Lake. Um, it is a project that we own 21% of. Uh, we have two partners in Cameco and Arano, and we are the operator. And so the simple math on that means that for every million dollars we go out and spend, I have to come up with $210,000, but I get a 10% management fee back. So I actually only have to come up with $110,000. Uh, 
that works very well for us um, and has because we've been making discoveries. As long as the, our partners are focused on funding these projects, then, then the world knows and it validates the fact that they are prospective and, and, and that keeps things going. And over the last umpteen years, what it's allowed us to do is raise money carefully only as we need it at a premium because we, we get the flow through tax advantage here in Canada. And all of our overheads have been covered by our operating uh, fees off of this project. So it's been the little machine that allowed us to, to maintain, you know, our, our be busy and, and work as we, we move along. Um, we have another project uh, that we joint venture with, with uh, Cameco called Smart Lake. And it's one that we're, we're looking to moving back into um, over the next year. Uh, it's, we own 27% of that. And it's just to the, uh, just to the west of, of uh, Hook Lake. The rest of the projects, the other 10 projects, we own 100% of. And are we looking to take on partners for those? No, not necessarily. We're, uh, you know, we believe that we can now start advancing them. Many of them have been advanced quite aggressively. Like we've got a lot of money spent preparing these projects and doing some first pass drilling and, and you know, locating, uh, literally locating uranium on them. So those are the projects that, that we will start uh, investing in, our 100% owned projects and advancing them uh, forward over the coming year or two. But I, I was sorry, as I understood it, I thought, Hook Lake, I get that. What I'm trying to understand is, is that a cookie cutter model for you? Sounds like not. Um, but I, I thought you'd got first pass drill completed on three projects. We do. Right. The rest are just drill targets, which have been defined, right? That's true. Right. Now, I also understand Hook Lake and Smart Lake, we earned into those, right? Yeah. So they, they didn't buy into one of our projects. We actually earned into their projects. And, and this was back, we started our relationship with them back in 2006, 2007. As a matter of fact, uh, at the time, Roger LeMate from UEX, who, who you know well, um, was, was a Cameco and he was the one we were dealing, you know, he was the one I did the deal with. And they were projects that um, they couldn't free up budget to get into. And uh, so that's how we, we sort of got involved with them. I saw them as important partners no matter what they were selling off. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how we got into that relationship. So we, we earned in that 21 and 27%. And we've been the operator ever since on those projects. So our, 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 our approach has not been to bring in partners and, and have them pay for our exploration. Right, but, but, but the, the, the net results is the same. Whether they own it, you own it, you sitting as a junior partner is the bit that I'm interested in. I get someone to pay a majority of the costs you operate. Right. Is, right. That, is that what you're looking to? Or are you thinking, no, if we time this right, we can actually retain 100% control of this. We believe the market is going to allow us to raise cheap or cheaper capital to be able to yeah. move some of those projects along as and when at our option. And that's, that's always been our approach. Right. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, back in the, the original boom, when we picked up most of these properties, um, most of our peers were running around looking for partners to, to bring in exploration money. And we didn't. We were raising it in the markets because the market was, was handing us cheap money. And so to, to option off those projects um, economically didn't make sense because the money the market was giving us was cheaper, to be honest. And, and uh, I think we're moving into a cycle where that's going to continue to be the case for us is to hang on to those projects 100% and work them ourselves. Right. So let's come back to my earlier point about, um, you know, have you created any of the value that the market has given you since November? He said no, right? Going forward, you're going to need to, given you've raised some money and it's all growth capital and you're 
you know, your job is to is to you know create value for shareholders. Um, talk to me about Hook Lake. What precisely are you going to be doing? Because if nothing's changed since we last spoke there, what's mm-hmm. going to change going forward? Well, Hook, Hook Lake, we're actually just, we've just wrapped up our drill program there. So we, um, we uh, it was the, the program started in January. Uh, we've just recently finishing up our uh, demobilization out of that area. We drilled three, three holes in a, in a, a northern area um, along the Patterson Trend. Um, really testing. It's a fairly long, large area. It's about four kilometers wide and one that we hadn't, uh, we hadn't put any drills into yet. So uh, our partners and ourselves decided that we really started to, we needed to start doing some initial testing up there and, and see what we were dealing with. Um, that program, like I said, just finished up. The assays are, are out yet. Uh, we haven't gotten them in yet. And we're just getting together that information to share with our partners over the coming weeks. Uh, we'll have a technical committee meeting in a few weeks and, and put our results out then. Right. So we will get assay results into the markets from how much drilling? How many meters in May? Uh, it was probably, it was not much more than about 1,500 meters. Right. Oh, no. What am I talking about? It's got to be more than that. It was about 2,400 meters. Right. So it's not a whole bunch of meters. So what were you hoping to achieve with that? Well, what we're what we're hoping to see again is is uh, it, it, it was really drill, driven off of a hole, two holes that we drilled in prior seasons that bounded this four kilometer area, and and they both showed uh, similar uh, modeling as we had seen south in in Arrow in Triple R in our own Spitfire projects. We're seeing that model and how it moves forward and how the deposition of mineralization is occurring. We saw it in those holes. We're starting to move in. It's quite a it's quite a complicated area because there's there's numerous target conductors. And without getting too much into it, there there is a there's a whole band of of targets in there that uh, uh, that, that start to get complicated. And that's and in essence, what we're looking for is complicated areas. That's where it's the complexity of the geology that that creates the opportunity for mineralization. So we're trying to move in from those. We're doing 400 and 800 meter stepouts, which is quite a distance. Um, because you could fit, you know, you could fit half a dozen arrows in there. Um, but it was really to start to understand how that, how the structure and the mineralization and the, um, and that trend is, is, uh, is moving forward. So it was really investigative at this point. Right. Okay. So what's the, what's the best you could hope for when the results come back and what's the best the market could hope for? Um, is is that is that we're chasing something? We are we're starting okay. to see things chasing and getting tighter. You know, again, understand. I think we talked about this before. Our partners do pace us uh, quite a bit in that regard. They um, they're they're not in a rush. So you know, if if they want to they want to spend money, understanding something before they spend the next whack of money. So they they like to gather up information, decide, make a decision on where they're going to go after that. I mean, we are our technical committee meetings are quite a quite a gang. Um, you know, they 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 herd into a room and talk about where they think we should be going next. So it's uh, um, it's it's not just dragging out a half a dozen drills and poking holes in the ground. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Working with an Arana, working with a Cameco, they, they've got a different set of agendas from you. They've got multiple other projects, bigger projects mm-hmm. they're producing uh, into a market and they've got a different view of timeline. So that must be difficult as a CEO of a junior company needing to get good stories out there. Um, you know, try and enthuse the market about what you're doing. Yeah, from a news perspective, sure, it's it's tough because we we essentially over the last few years we we drill in the winter and we talk about it for 
eight months. Um, you know, that's kind of where it's been. And, and it is, it is tough, but again, the fact that they continue to support the project at least validates that it, it's perspective. So we, we've, we've got that playing off there. You know, both, both companies have got uh, specific exploration organizations that have been, I don't want to say decimated, but they've certainly been reduced significantly over the last few years. So it's not like they have exploration projects all over the world. They really don't. Um, they've really minimized the amount of exploration they're doing and, uh, and, and they do focus on, uh, so one of the things they are focusing on is, is Hook Lake and they spend a lot of time just analyzing, thinking about it, reinterpreting results. I mean, they, they visited all of the other projects in the area. They know what they're, what they're looking at. And, uh, and, and that's, that's been very helpful to us. So when people talk to me about joint ventures with, with the Iranos of this world, they always say that they're the favorite project. They, Everyone says it, right? Favorite child, um, and let's hope every child does feel like that. But um, how do we how do we quantify that? How much money have they committed for next season, season after that? I mean, how do they? Well, they, they haven't. Me? They haven't committed a next season. So we we will have spent a million and a half dollars this year, um, which is not as much as we spent in other years, but it's you know probably not too far off the average. Um, it was what they determined as being the right number. The their budget cycles come around at the end of the summer into the fall. So I mean, they they know when they come into the year, the calendar year, what they're going to spend all year, and uh, you know, and we're we're usually done around this time of year. So we really won't won't um, you know won't get any more commitment out of them until the fall, until the fall, or and and later in the fall. Because they, I mean, they're obviously both those. Do they have they have um, their own assets nearby you? Don't, don't they? In the Patterson corridor. Uh, Cameco has a project to the north. Right. So, uh, yeah, to the north of us, deeper into the base. And they've gone up and done some drilling up there. Um, it does get very, very deep. I mean, even where we are, we're, we're drilling significantly deeper than we were at the south end of our project. So the, the basin is getting deep. Um, and especially now, as we're looking at, at basement hosted deposits, you've got to get through not just the overburden and, you know, three, 400 meters of sand, you know, then you're going another 50, 60 meters, 70 meters to get down to where you think the mineralization is. So it's, it, it's tough drilling up there. It is also following. Okay. We've got hook Lake, smart Lake, two more Lake. There's a lot of lakes around there. Just, just, just water come into play here in the base, I guess by definition, a basin has water in it. But, um, you know, we, we, we've, we've seen, because you, you referenced permitting and some of the First Nations issues that some other companies are, are struggling with and some of the technical solutions they're having to come up with um, to, to overcome this. I mean, does, does that affect the thinking of these, these big companies too? Uh, yeah, absolutely it does. I mean, you've got MacArthur Lake, you've got Cigar Lake, you've got, they're all lakes and they're, and that's for a reason. I mean, Saskatchewan is, uh, you know, flat as all get out. And, and that's the, um, um, and that's just the geology of the area or the geography, I guess. Um, the, um, um, the reality is it is very wet. All of these lakes are very shallow. So there's, there's lots of bogs, there's lots of streams, there's lots of, uh, uh, there's lots of water. And actually those depressions where the lakes are tend to be where the uranium or where the complexities underneath the earth have, have kind of sunk things down. So it's not, it's not unlike to see that. And they've, you know, Cameco and Arana have had to sort of reroute a few lakes and move some water around and spend a lot of time and money doing that kind of stuff. But when you look at something like say fission, Who's Patterson Lake is sitting in the middle of Patterson Lake. I mean, that, that is an issue. 
where the, you know, the coffer dam to, to even start digging there is going to cost you as much or more than the actual mining itself. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting conundrum because there's obviously some of the best grades in the world. I mean, undoubtedly, sure. no, no, no argument from anyone, but some of the, the, the cost of the technical solution is, is I guess, burdensome. Um, anyway, um, right, okay. So you, can, we just, can we just talk about, um, about the three uh, we've kind of done first, uh, first pass drilling? So Smart Lake is learning from you. You farmed into it. Uh, what's happening there? We like that. Um, sure. Um, Smart Lake, and if I had all my pictures in front of us, you could, you, I could show you how this all works out. But Smart Lake was, was, was uh, staked by Cameco uh, quite some time ago. Uh, because underneath we can see how the geology joins up to Clough Lake and, uh, and up to uh, the Canada deposit, UX and Oriano's, or Orano's uh, projects to the north. And uh, we were, it was a priority project about eight or nine years ago um, before things started to light up at, at Patterson. We hit uh, uranium there in our first uh, drill hole. And we've only really had one, one drill program there and uh, and then all the money and attention moved over to Patterson and over to Hook. Um, we were out there with the chemical geologists about a year, year and a half ago, relogging a lot of that core and started to recognize it as as what what we we now were getting familiar with it at Patterson Lake. And that was the big aha: is that the, the depositions on the west are not the same as the depositions we're used to seeing on on the east. So there is there is a difference there, and we now are better have a better understanding of that area. So. We have, um, there, there's some targets we want to hit to the north. Uh, we're, we'll probably be looking to do some ground geophysics closer to the end of this year. And hopefully with, with Cameco's blessing, we will see. We'll, we'll, we want to get up there and, and do some more drilling uh, early next year. Okay, that's interesting. So basically, we, we, you've got Smart Lake and Hook Lake down in the sort of southwest side. And then the other project, Turnor. Like I've been struggling to pronounce that. Turner Lake is up in the sort of northeast, um, along with most of the other assets that were the near the nearer term assets that you're you're talking about. Right. So it it is more along that trend. There is a mine trend that runs mm. uh, kind of southwest to northeast along the edge of the basin, uh, where these these two geological domains meet. And uh, and Turner Lake and and Red Willow both both sit right in that right in that trend. Turner's interesting um, in that it, it is, it's within a, a large uh, structural area that, that hosts a number of things. Orano had a, a, a very high showing called the alligator showing. Larock is Cameco's showing. They had about 33% there. And it all, it all ties together. It's the same sort of corridor going on there. And then Isoenergy, uh, their hurricane zone, is, is, lies along there as well. So that structure is, we're right on that structure. And as a matter of fact, the target we want to go and really start looking at is uh, is to the north, it's called Saren, it's right on that corridor. And there's about a 50 to 60 meter um, thrust fault in the basement rock we've found, which is you know the similar to uh, MacArthur sits on these thrust faults where the, the rocks have kind of gone like this and you've got a, a deposition there. So we've got we've got a great target up there. We just we need to start poking holes in. Among others, there's there's a lot of a lot of targets we've identified in that area, and we've done some early drilling on that one. And and uh, there's there is there is tons of uranium in, in the area. There's been a, a huge mineralization event, obviously, and it's just a matter of finding out where where uh, where it lies in large quantity. Okay, so so what should people listening to this, watching this, 
be thinking about you in terms of your ability to time things? Okay. Sure. What, what, what are they yeah. looking at? I think what, what you're going to see out of us almost immediately now, we're, we're just finalizing uh, the financing that's underway right now, um, is we, we will immediately be putting out a schedule of, of the exploration that we see happening over the next year and beyond. Um, we will be doing, you know, we have some earlier stage projects that are based on, um, you know, some other, some other, not just theories, but other, other uh, work that we've done prior. We'll be doing some airborne work over those uh, in the summer right away because that's work we can do immediately. Um, we have three permits in hand for drilling. One is at Umfraville, which we haven't talked about. One is at Red Willow and the other is at Hende. So because we have those, again, it's this is how the timing works. Those are the three we have permits on. Those are the three we're going to be drilling first while we apply for permits on the others. Um, Okay, so so I, I think I said at the beginning you raised seven million. So you definitely raised just under two. You've announced five million, but it may end up being more. That seems to be de rigueur uh, in, in the industry. Announce announce no, one number and raise more. Or do you think you're going good, to be happy thanks. with five? Happy with we're five. Okay. So what does okay. that close? That closes. Uh, well, today is uh, today is Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow it closes. It closes. I mean, the book the book was full by noon the first day. It was cr it's crazy, and that's just the nature of what's going on now. So, you know, that is that is uh, all the money we can spend over the over the foreseeable future to do this stuff right. We've got a, we have permits in hand, so we can get that drilling started. We've got airborne and ground geophysics we can get working on. All of that goes on, and if the markets continue to uh, uh, to move in a, in in a way that they appear to want to move you know, we can, we can continue moving forward in that way. So why are you so confident about this model working? The, the way you're deciding to um, allocate your capital, the things that you're doing, because it's just, it's obviously, you know, it's just pure play exploration at this at this mm -hmm. point. Who, who should people look to? Well, what, are there parallels? Are there peers? Or are you just doing it your own way? Well, I, I we're an exploration company. And, and we're not pretending to be a development company. We're not pretending to be going into production next year. We are in the treasure hunting business. That's what we do. Only it's a very precise scientific approach that we have to take. And again, you can't put all your money on black 23. You have to test things. You have to look at different theories. All of these things have been found in the last 10 years were based on new theories. Fission was looking outside of the basin. They were chasing boulders, uh, even Hathor. Was, was drilling uh, seismic targets as opposed to the EM conductors that we all chase. So you have to continuously look for the new, uh, the new theories, the new things, because the easy stuff was all found. And, and it doesn't behoove the big, the big companies to, uh, to play that risk game, right? So as we raise money, our investors understand that's risk capital and that's what we do. And the best thing we can do for our investors is, is, is maximize the odds that we will have the next discovery. And we can do that by chasing numerous theories, numerous projects at various stages of advancement and make sure that we have that pipeline of, of projects that we can continuously prioritize and reprioritize. Every time we poke a hole in the ground, we reprioritize everything. Okay. If you've only got one project, you got nothing to prioritize. If you, if you ever likewise, you know, we, we've interviewed companies which just sitting on a bunch of moose pasture, which has never been anything. So, you know, there's, there, there's that. So, you know, you, you're saying that our top four projects, we know a lot about them. We're confident of those. We're now going to chase after these drill targets, defined drill targets that we've got on the rest of them. 
and mm-hmm. show the market that there's something there. That's right. Big part of the and story. we have and we have that mix. We've got that pipeline. We've got that mix of projects. So so yes, we will be. I mean, not only will we be putting out a schedule of here's all the work we're going to do. We're going to start reintroducing these projects to the market. We're going to talk about Turner Lake and all the good stuff that goes on with it. We're going to talk about Smart. We're going to talk about Hende and all the reasons why that is the next place. I mean, understand we've been we have we have uh, worked our way through hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hectares. Of property over the last 15 years and and gotten rid of everything that that didn't make sense to us we've only hung on to the stuff where we know that uh all the all the planets line up so to the extent that we can now start talking very proactively about each of these projects and why they each have very unique value um we think the market will react well to that and at 30 million market cap you've got a long way to go there you go 35 tomorrow <laughs> True. Chris, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for running through that. I'm glad things are moving um, along. I'm glad you're able to get the the capital to do the things that you want to do. Stay in touch. Let us know how you you get on, okay? Will do for sure. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.